Welcome to the Courage 1000 Project, the podcast for women seeking the courage to take the next steps in life. My name is Melias, the story collector, and I'm on a mission to normalize the emotional cycles all women experience so we can end the patterns of shame and guilt that are leaving us stuck, held back, and disempowered from making the next chapter of our lives magical. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode here at the Courage 1000 Project. And today we have an awesome guest, Tracy Osborne, who we're going to look at overcoming self-loathing and learning how to love yourself. And I know this is a topic that comes up so, so frequently amongst the women I work with. So I'm really excited to jump into Tracy's conversation today. Before we do, I really want to introduce her. So Tracy is known for her honest, open and bold approach to women's empowerment. She is a trauma release coach, guiding women on their journey to move past their past and become the empowered woman they are supposed to be. As a survivor and thriver of abuse, sexual assault and a lifetime of self-loathing, Tracy connects with women on a global scale to support them in their healing bringing them the tools they need to move past their past and create lasting self-transformation. Her mission is to raise awareness, facilitate change, and empower women to reclaim their voice and inner power. She is most certainly an unstoppable force and role model for others. So let me bring her up and say welcome to the show, Tracy. Thank you for having me, Melly. It's great to be here. You are most welcome. And thank you for staying working late at night so we can have this conversation. (laughs) No worries. Um, Now, you wanted to share with us your story about overcoming self-loathing and learning how to love yourself. So I'd love to know, where does the story start for you? Well, the story started for me around age five when my parents got divorced. um, And I went to live with my mom. And Mm -hmm. she quickly found out that being a single mom was very hard. So I ended up living with my grandmother and that's where I think it was either between, it was somewhere between the divorce and living with my grandmother, the abandonment issue started because I thought my dad didn't want me. And that's when my food addiction began. Those are my earliest memories of sneaking food was around age five and six. Um, And then it just kind of continued from there. My grandmother used to call me stupid all the time um, and was just, you know, rather harsh. And then around age 11, 12, I went to Montana to live with my dad and my stepmom. And my stepmom was emotionally abusive and manipulative. Um, And my self-esteem just kind of kept plummeting from there. Uh, around age 15, 16, it was about 16. Um, I just come back from a year living in Canada. And one of the first things my dad did was pat my stomach and say, well, if I can't have the sexiest daughter on the block, at least I can have the shortest. Mind you, I wasn't overweight. I had a little pooch, but I was not overweight by any means. Yeah. Um, and that just kind of kept the self-esteem going from there. After that, it was, you know, between the, the rapes and the sexual assault, multiple, multiple domestic violence partners, um, and just one horrible relationship after another, my self-esteem just kind of kept going down. Um, 
and then the weight started coming on. I used to be very thin and then the weight started coming on. Once the weight started coming on, the self-loathing got even worse. And the bigger I got, the more I hated myself and the more I ate and the bigger I got. And it was a vicious circle or a vicious cycle. Yeah, it sounds like you definitely got stuck in a really toxic cycle starting from a very, very young age. That's, yes. that's not easy to deal with. No, it's not. Um, divorce was never explained to me, really. Um, yeah. They just kind of left me to figure it for, out for myself. Yeah, and that was kind of the way it was at the time. Nobody really thought about the children in the situation. Right. This was them emotionally. It was it, all about them and the relationship breaking up. Exactly. I mean, this was back in the late 70s, early 80s. So, um, yeah, they didn't really talk about it back then with the kids. And, you know, a lot of people still don't. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you get through all this? How did you move through it? Food was my comfort. <laughs> <laughs> food was my comfort. Food was my best friend. Um, food wouldn't abandon me, mm, and yeah. so I turned to food. And um, you know, it just it, it got to the point where I just I would eat, and I would work out, and I would go on diets, and I would starve myself and I would do this and I would do that and and nothing ever worked. I couldn't get the weight off. So I hated myself even more. Um and then finally one day I decided, you know, I just I'm I'm tired of hating myself. I'm tired of feeling like this. And it was time to figure out what this whole self-love thing looked like. Oh, and that was love. that was a whole journey in itself because you know for me, when I thought of self-love, I, I just couldn't imagine what it, what it was. What does it look like? What does it feel like? I know there's different types of love, but I, I just, self-love was so foreign to me that I just had no concept of, of how to even find it. So how did you find it then? What were one of the steps you used to get to that place of loving yourself? Well, I looked under a lot of rocks. Um, and it wasn't there. <laughs> I, um, no, I started a, you know, a personal development journey and, um, really just was, it actually has really gone very deep the past few years. Yeah. Um, is when it's, it's really, I mean, I've been on this journey for a long time, but the past two, three years has been even the, probably the, the pivotal moments, I would say. Um, and I was reading a book called um, Eat, Pray, Hashtag FML by, oh, Gabrielle, wow. yeah, by <laughs> Gabrielle Stone. Um, fantastic book. And actually at the end of her book, she discovered what self-love as self-care as doing what it is that makes you happy. And I thought, well, that was simple. <laughs> that was, that was almost too easy. Why, why did it take me so long to figure that out? Because it just made sense. Yeah. Um, so self-love equals self-care. And so that's when I really decided to start, um, you know, figuring out who am I, what do I like? What do I want? 
who do I want to be? I like it. I like it. And I love that you've made that connection that self-love is self-care because it's a very self-loving thing to put yourself first and look after yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. It is. And it's not easy because as women, especially we are in, it's in our DNA to put everybody else first and to take care of everybody else. So the concept of putting ourselves first just feels very foreign and very selfish. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's that societal pressure Mm -hmm. that it is selfish, that we have duties and responsibilities to others And yet at no point are we raised in this society going, your responsibility first and foremost is to yourself. Exactly. Mm, I love it. I love it. Ooh, now we're getting into the juicy stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Now, part of the Current 1000 Project is going on this mission to normalise the emotional cycles that all women go through so we can take control of our lives back and especially in a feminine way. So I would love to know... On this journey to loving yourself again and overcoming self-loathing, what sort of emotions did you cycle through? Have you found a pattern to what you went through? Um, I ask big questions here. (laughs) (laughs) Depression was a big one for me. Yeah. Um, Hatred, self-hatred. Yeah. Um, Confusion, believe it or not you know, was, was pretty big in there. Although it's not one that I would really recognize um, or think of as a major emotion, but it was there. It was very prevalent because, you know, I'm trying to figure this thing out. Um, You know, so you just kind of cycle through the different emotions. Every, every once in a while I would tap into self-love and I would feel elation. Um, And then it would slip away and I'd be back into depression or, you know, another negative emotion. Yeah. Um, I called it chasing the high. Actually. Yeah. Because, you know, when you, when you tap into that self-love and you feel that elation, it is almost like riding a high. Yeah. Um, And it's an amazing feeling. And it's one that, you know, you, you want to hold on to. So you have to keep figuring out where's, you know, where do I find that emotion? How do I get it without having to tap into outside resources? How do I find it within myself? Mm, I love that. I love that. So with your hatred, do you find that was very internal? It was almost like you were rebelling against yourself in that process? I was rebelling against everything, I think, for a very long time. Definitely against myself. I am, I, I would, yeah, I admit I'm my, my worst enemy. Um, and I think we all tend to be our own worst enemy. But I went through a huge period of self-sabotage um, where things would start looking up. The weight would start coming off. I'd be feeling great. Business was going good. And then I would sabotage it somehow because it was a foreign feeling and it wasn't comfortable to feel success. It just wasn't comfortable. And so I would have to sabotage it subconsciously, of course, um, to get back to that uncomfortable feeling, which was actually comfortable, you know, that uncomfortable comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, so the the self-hatred just, you know, kept, 
kind of growing. Yeah. So I'm curious because I've just I've determined there's five key phases we go through with our emotions, which we then cycle through. And you've already touched on three of them. So there's that self-hatred that comes in with the first stage of self, which is our princess, as I call it. <laughs> and then that depression creeps in with our mothering stage. And then there's a part which I call our wild woman. It's where we get fierce and angry and just want to burn everything down around us. So I'm curious, did you reach that angry stage as well? Oh, my goodness, yes. <laughs> I, I think I think I lumped anger and hatred kind of in the same category, but absolutely, I, I'd hit that angry phase and I'd be mad at the world because I was mad at myself. Oh, and yeah. I was mad at myself because I couldn't figure out why I would, repeat the same thing expecting different results when yeah. I know that that's the definition of insanity yeah. but yet I, I just I couldn't figure it out you know um, yeah. and so yeah I would get very angry yeah and yeah. lash out I, I, unfortunately my children took the brunt of a lot of it you know yeah. And I find that's quite natural that we do tend to lash out at those we love because we know they will hold what we send their way. Mm -hmm. um, so after the anger, do you find that's when the confusion would step in, that you were a bit lost, almost stuck at the same time? Actually, I think after the anger, that's more when depression would step in because I mm. felt awful, yeah. um, you know, especially if I lashed out and yelled at the kids or anything like that. Um, I wasn't physically abusive or anything, but you know, I, I admit I was probably pretty emotionally abusive as far as my emotions because I just didn't have a handle on them. Yeah. So depression would set in and things would start sliding back downhill. Yeah. And I think that's kind of normal that you are repeating that emotional abuse pattern, mm -hmm. not consciously, because no. you're still trying to unravel it yourself. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to so stop it. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. So at what point did you go, I've got this now. I've broken this cycle and I'm not playing out this pattern of fear, shame and guilt and all the yucky stuff <laughs> anymore. Oh, that was yesterday. It does. You know, you know I, I can't pinpoint a specific point where I can say I've got it because it's still something that I'm working on. Um, I have, you know, I'm better and I, I can recognize the self-sabotage when it comes in. I can recognize the self-hatred when it starts creeping in and I can quickly stop it and reverse it. Love um, but am I a hundred percent there no will i ever be probably not i don't think anybody is 100 percent there but i am much closer today than i was even a year ago because i i am doing the work i am recognizing the patterns i am breaking the patterns when they they show up um and i do you know i just i, I know what to look for now basically yeah I love your self-awareness to get to that point where you can see your own shit playing out and then take ownership of that is not an easy feat to get to. So it's I think not. 
I think hands down to your level of self-awareness. <laughs> Thank you. It, it takes a lot of work and it actually, it takes a lot of conscious work because mm -hmm. so much of our self-sabotage and our self-hatred and our self-loathing and everything is all subconscious. Yeah. Um, and so you have to really consciously look at your thoughts, look at your actions, look at your behaviors why am I doing this? Why am I shoving this food in my face? Why am I lashing out at this person? Why am I lashing out at myself? You know, what is, what's going on? What's the deeper, the deeper picture. And then you have to start peeling the onion and uncovering what's actually going on. So it's a lot of conscious thinking, a lot of conscious work um, mm. to get to this point. Do you find that fear seems to be the main thing underneath all those conscious behaviors there's always a fear of being not being seen and heard or not being loved like absolutely yeah yeah you know, a lot for me is um fear of success fear of failure yeah you know what happens if i'm successful in losing the weight i it, i you know i've been overweight for 20 years I don't remember what it's like to not be overweight. I, I'm not that person anymore. I'm not that thin 20 year old anymore. Yeah. Who am I going to be if I'm not this person that I am right now? Yeah. Um, so there's that fear of success. There's the fear of failure. What happens, you know, if, and I'm just using weight as an example, you know, yeah. what happens if I don't lose the weight? Um, does, you know, will that cut my life shorter? Will I end up with ailments, you know, cancer, diabetes? Am I going to fo um, follow my dad's footsteps and end up with diabetes and uh, on dialysis and, you know, or my mom's footsteps and she wasn't very healthy either. And so, you know, there is a lot of fear in there. Um, and I have to recognize it for what it is. It's, it's just me saying we're stepping into something uncomfortable and new. And so all of these concerns are popping up, you know, thank you for those concerns. I, I hear you. I appreciate you, but I got this. And, oh, wow. and when I, when I say that to myself, then the fears go away. I love it. I love it. And that's such a natural progression then to go from the fear into forgiveness and then into that self-belief of I've got this, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. And then seeing the future vision of what could it look like? Mm -hmm. I keep telling myself, you know, I know what it looks like when I don't succeed. I already yeah. know what that looks like. So now I want to know what it looks like when I do succeed, when I do follow through on my commitments to myself, when I do follow through on, um, my dreams and my goals. What does that look like? That's what I want to know. Oh, I love it. I love it. All these big things coming in your future. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> now, if you could go back and see yourself when this all began and could give yourself a message of encouragement, what would you say to yourself? Oh, that five-year-old little girl. I would wrap her up in a big hug and tell her how much she is actually loved and that, um, you know, her daddy didn't leave her. Her daddy loves her because I know that now, you know, I didn't, 
back then, you know, you, you make of it what you do, but, um, yeah, I would just tell her that everything's going to be okay. Oh, yeah, she's, she's got this. Yep. Oh, I love that. And you can see that. You could see that happening to a five-year-old and just walking up to them and giving them that big hug and going, it's going to be okay. You've got yep. this. Oh, that hit the heart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I am going to wrap up. And if anybody would like to get in contact with Tracy to get her help on anything she's spoken about today, you will find her details below this episode. So whether you're listening to this on a podcast, the details will be there or you're watching this on one of our social media or YouTube channels. All her information can be found right below this episode. So thank you so much for being with us today, Tracy. Well, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you for having me. You're most welcome. Oh, wrong button. Let's go back to this one. That's where I'm <laughs> um, so join us next week as we continue on this mission of collecting stories of courage so you can find the inspiration you need to take control of your life the feminine way. If you'd like to join me on my mission to normalize the emotional and intuitive cycles all women go through, join my free community at nellies.com.au.